Your shelf or mine, where timeless questions are answered. If you have a cold hot pocket, is it just a pocket? If croutons are stale bread, why are they kept in airtight packages? A local podcast dedicated to entertainment and never following the plan. From the well-read minds of the Longview Public Library, your shelf or mine. Hello, and welcome to Your Shelf or Mine. I'm Becky Standle, Youth Services Specialist at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Elizabeth Partridge, Adult Services Librarian at the exact same library. Elizabeth, what? <laughs> um, when did you get back into town? I got back into town yesterday around 7 p.m. Cool. Yeah. Tell me all about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I did, I've been like following your Instagram mm-hmm. um, and your Instagram method seems to be just like photo dump, photo dump. That's my method. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it looked like you got like stranded in Denver. We did. In the beginning of your trip. We did. Yeah, that was. So let me just tell you about that. Yeah. Tell me about that. Let's All right. start at the beginning. Okay. So uh, we left at, our plane left Portland at 6 p.m. on the 3rd, and we were going to do a flight to Denver and then an overnight flight to Panama City and then Panama City to Quito, and everything seemed to be going well, and then I got an alert on my phone that the second leg from Denver to uh, Panama City had been delayed until the next day. Which was crazy. So we talked to the people in Portland and they said, our only option is for you to take this flight and then see if they can get you something sooner in Denver or wait and go on Saturday. Oh, that's a long time. Yes. And so we decided, all right, we'll just go to Denver, see what happens. We ended up staying in Denver for many, many hours. And then, um, of course, we took our flight from Denver to Panama City and our flight arrived 20 minutes after our scheduled flight departed. So then we were stuck in Panama City for eight hours. Right. And you couldn't leave the airport. And we couldn't leave the airport because we didn't have yellow fever shots. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So we spent a lot of time in uh, Copa Airlines waiting area. So that was horrible. That makes me want to sing Copa Copa. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But that's too happy for what happened. Aww. So yeah. So it reminded me because when I went to Lisbon with Matilda, who is actually here in the She's with lurking us, behind us. She, uh, we got stuck <laughs> going and coming back so I just figured that that was just what was going to happen coming home Mm -hmm. too but it went off like a hitch without a hitch it was great yeah like a hitch (laughs) it went out whatever the words are you mean Will Smith yeah okay 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 yeah so smoothly very smoothly yeah (laughs) and the only problem was we um, didn't have a whole lot of choices because we came we went to the Galapagos um, and then had to fly back to Quito to catch our plane home and the latest plane coming from Galapagos got us there at seven o'clock almost eight p.m. and our flight didn't leave until five thirty a.m. and so we couldn't really leave and go do anything because it was night yeah and the, you know and there's no point getting a hotel because you'd get to the hotel because it's an, Quito's airport is an hour from actual city oh so you'd have to drive to the airport two hours there and back and then try to get some sleep and then it's an international flight so they wanted you to come three hours before your flight so yeah you're not there's no point so we ended up staying at the 
Quito airport, which was a different experience. And you just know, like in the airport? Yeah, just in the airport. Like in a chair? Yeah, in several different chairs just oh. to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> <Sure>. Yeah. <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. A little excitement. Yeah. And then the way that their airport is set up is that there's a general waiting area and then they have um, terminals where airline people come and it rotates different airlines. And so if your airline isn't represented at that time, you can't get into the main part of the airport. You have to wait hmm. until your airline is at that terminal or at that check stand, whatever. And so Copa Airlines, which is where we were flying back to Panama City, was there only, they got there at like 2 a.m., so we had to wait out in this little section of the airport that had nothing until 2 a.m. And then we were able to, you know, jockey our way back on to the main part of the airport where they had the food stalls yeah. and all. Oh, my God. And then you could it wait was, in there. Exactly. And then we waited three more hours in That's there. That's interesting. So, yeah. Is it just really little? It's not that big, apparently. And so they just rotate airlines into the, these these four distinct areas. So A, B, C, and D. And, yeah. And Terminals? A, yeah. Well, they weren't even... Ter it's all in the same terminal, but oh. it's just different... Like, um, it, it's like a shopping a, a grocery store where you have different checkouts. Right. And there's two rows. Okay. Okay. Of checkouts. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So, hmm. I, I will tell you. Okay. So, we went from um, Quito to Panama City. And then um, they we got off the plane and went to our new gate to catch our next plane because there really wasn't a lot of time between them. And then we had to, so we had just gone through all of the safety checks, all of those things, taking our shoes off, all of that stuff in Quito. We got on the plane for that exact same airline, got off the plane, walked to our gate, and had to do it again. And it's like... <laughs> so then we did that, you know, went through the thing, got on the plane, and then we had a huge long flight from Panama City to San Francisco. So that gave Lydia time to actually get some sleep because mm -hmm. she hadn't slept since the but night. But that doesn't before. sound like more comfortable than sleeping in a chair in an airport. Well, except um, she was up against the window, so oh, she had her okay, head, okay. so she could actually curl up in mm -hmm. a little a little sleeping ball. <laughs> so then we uh, get to San Francisco, and then of course you have to go through customs and and do your declaring and all of that stuff. And and so we went through customs, which was yet one more opportunity for searching things and then we get to our gate we recheck our bags and then get to our gate and we have to do it again it's like we have not been off of an airplane for 12 hours <laughs> haven't been out of an airport for three days hello <laughs> i think we're fine I, we need like little stickers we can wear that says i was just checked yeah gosh it was annoying after a while i mean so did you get very much sleep like, I didn't sleep at all. Till now? Yeah, I didn't sleep until I got you, home. Okay. Yeah. But you and got a lot of sleep last night? Well, I, I did. I went to bed. Well, I didn't really because I went to bed <laughs> no, at like 11. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's really good. <laughs> so it was around 11. I finally calmed down enough to go to sleep. And then I woke up at um, 6 and then again at 7 and then slept until 9.30. Um, so That's not enough. It's not, but I'll, I'll catch up. Okay. I'll catch up. Yeah. But it was an amazing trip, and if anybody ever has the opportunity, they should take it regardless of how much time they spend in the Denver airport. Cool. What was your favorite part? Oh, my gosh. Um, the whole trip was pretty spectacular. Um, I, I enjoyed 
seeing Quito in the city and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, the whole downtown area is all colonial Spanish buildings and it was amazing to see all that, but I'm particularly fond of oceans and islands and so I would say the Galapagos was my favorite part. And if you get the chance and you go and, you know, you can be, they ask you to stay two meters away from any animals. And that must be hard when they're like everywhere. It was there were there were times where it was impossible because <laughs> they're like the, it's surrounding. Like, yeah, yeah, there were some sea lions in our path, and then they one of them rolled over because it was sleepy, and then there was no path because it was just covered in sea lions. And so some one the guide, there's always a guide, had to clap his hands to get the sea lions off of the path. It's like she didn't like step over that. You can't well because they'll bite you. <laughs> <laughs> And they don't want you there. They uh, will lay you. Sealants so. are such a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> but they look littler than the kind we have here. It, those were all babies and mamas. Aww. Yeah. So the daddies were not out laying around. It was mostly mamas with their babies. So, yeah. Um, the daddies are, yeah, they're pretty big. Yeah. But they had a <laughs> bunch of babies. Babies everywhere. Wow. Yeah. And the the land tortoises, the giant tortoises, oh my gosh. They are humongous. I mean, for real, it's big. Yeah. And you could get, you know, your two meters. You, you could get just be two right up. Well, and those were the same. The, there were places where uh, they lived. That's their, that's their their yard. You can't really do anything. But when you walk by, they're right next to you. I mean, just right next to you. We and those tortoises the rules. are nice. Yeah. Um, I've met, like, uh, tortoises in, like, you know, animal shows. Oh, like, sure. They come to the library, uh-huh. you know. Right. Yeah, these guys. Those ones are young, though. Yeah, these guys aren't going anywhere. They don't want to go. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're humongous. I mean, huge. And um, you can't touch them. I mean, you want to. <laughs> Lydia, it was so painful for her because she wanted to touch Everything. Yeah, they're so close to yeah. you, and you know that they're nice. Right. Like, turtles are really not tortoises. Yeah, they're not going to do anything. And, and it's not all tortoises are nice, but those ones are. Well, and they're so big. There's no way they're going to whip around and and <laughs> right. bite you like the sea lions will. That they can't do much. So, so you know the chances of touching it and not getting hurt are really high. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know we managed to follow. The yeah, you don't want to get kicked off the island. Gosh, could you imagine go all that way and get kicked out because you touched a tortoise? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine suck. it. Yeah, that would be t- too bad though. <laughs> yeah, but there were marine iguanas, which were amazing things and and big and long, and they um they're not threatening. They won't they won't bite you they or anything like that. But they did. They did not like us walking on their path, and so one of them chased us off of the path but it was so funny because as soon as he was off the path he didn't care if we were on the path he just didn't want us there when he was there <laughs> like this is my path <laughs> what do they can you make it sound like what I it sounds like because i'd have to blow snot out of my nose do it no i'm talking into this microphone so, I'm not gonna do it. so it didn't sound like no it's it's more like snot flying out of your hmm. nose yeah all right, I can imagine that. Yeah, and then that's how they get rid of the excess salt that they drink when they go down to eat the seaweed off the bottom of the ocean. Uh-huh. So they shoot the, the snotty salt out. At you. Well, that's what they do with their defense mechanism, but they do it all the time because they have to rid their body of the salt anyway. Mm-hmm. But It's it, like men who just spit constantly. 
gross. I don't think so. <laughs> you know those guys that do that all the time and they're like, I have to. And you're like, mm, that's not right. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you're just roadie. So these guys shoot this snot out of their nose and it will actually go back behind their heads because, you know, it's, their noses are flat right on their faces, you know. And so they have these accumulated salt crystals <laughs> growing off the top of their heads. It's like snot lines. It's not salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then they've got their spiky little uh, thing on the back, you know, that goes from their head down their back. And so some of them are, are white because they've got that salt crystals on the top of their head. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, Yeah, but we saw sharks and flamingos and blue-footed boobies and frigate birds and penguins and um, uh, rays, stingrays. I saw a thing... Um on the internet. Mm -hmm. So I saw stuff on the internet while you were gone. And <laughs> it was like a, a ray eating something. Wow. And it was pretty funny looking. Wow. With a little face on yeah. the bottom of yeah. <laughs> They are pretty interesting looking. Did I tell you I got stung by a stingray? No. On my 16th birthday? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they were my nice best friends. Gift. What did it feel like? It hurt a lot. And I had to go to the hospital and get a shot because <laughs> they are poisonous. Mm -hmm. So, well, that one wasn't even. I was walking, it was, uh, I lived in Panama at the time, and we had gone to a beach, and I was walking just in the surf, just waiting, and it was cloudy, the water, and so I walked, and then all of a sudden I had this horrible pain in my ankle, and I was like, I don't know what that was, and then uh, it started, my legs started to hurt really badly and started to get numb, and so they had to carry me all the way up, put me in a in a truck and we drove to the nearest military hospital where they gave me a shot and then told me to go home. And so I did. And then my ankle swelled up so big that it uh, practically filled the bowl where I was soaking it because they said to soak it. It was gross and it was painful. How long did that last? Just a couple of days. <sighs> but I, I'm glad that we were close enough to that hospital because it would have lasted a lot longer and hurt a lot more if they hadn't done that. Andrews. That's Pretty not what I did on my 16th birthday. Yeah, well, that's what I did. <laughs> I don't really remember what I did, though. So <laughs> and Let me just tell you, my, my <laughs> life with the ocean, I love the ocean very much. I don't like cold ocean. I, let's just clarify you know, this. Or the cold I at all. hate being cold in my body. I hate that. You know, I like looking at snow and pretty pictures, but I don't like being cold. Mm -hmm. And so when I get to a tropical ocean, I'm like, yay, here we are. I like this. So, but we lived in Hawaii when I was a kid and I got stung by a uh, jellyfish. Mm -hmm. The first time I moved to Panama, I was 13 years old. I went swimming first thing, got stung by a jellyfish, <laughs> went to Panama again. On my 16th birthday, got stung by a stingray. So I don't really relish getting into the water. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm always very, You're either going to be cold or you're going to get stung <laughs> exactly. by something. Exactly. <laughs> and I had this horrible, horrible fear of sharks. And so, they don't sting you, though. No, so. they just eat you. <laughs> and so, you know, it's funny. I love the ocean. I love it very much. But I am always feeling like I'm half dead anyway. Just going because something's going to get something. <laughs> Get you, but nothing no. got you on this trip, so that's good. Well, I didn't go swimming, um, so <laughs> which is it's a shame. I um, we tr we stuck our feet in the water when we first got there, and I don't know what you know about the weather in the Galapagos right now. It's it's what they call their winter, 
which doesn't mean but it's like anything. in the equator right but it's not um I thought the weather was just always the same there. it's not so they've got six months of rain but it's hot and okay. then they have six months no rain so it cools and then this this less than warm current comes through the ocean and it's actually really cold water really cold water and most of the people that are going there are putting on wetsuits to go swimming Mm -hmm. on a regular you know snorkeling trip or something um and i think i mentioned how much i hate being cold um and so we didn't go swimming but we went kayaking and we went wading and we did lots of other things but i think that to make it a fuller trip that i would go back during the hot season When's the hot season? So um, January, J- December through June. Okay. Oh, so we so just you're missed just it. Kind of right in the middle. No, it's done. Night and day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's being a night and day. It is twelve hours a day and twelve hours a night. Period. <laughs> There's no like what we have, mm-hmm. where it's ten p.m. and it's bright outside. There is none of that. So we managed to figure out what time to start heading back to our apartment so that we could not be out when it's super dark outside. No, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's not like... Well, that's how it was when we lived in Panama, too. You know when it's... I mean, it's just 12 hours and 12 hours, and that was it, so... But this time we were actually on the equator, so... Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... I didn't do as cool of stuff as you did. Over the last two weeks? Yeah. What did you do, though? Nor did I. Like, remember before we were joking, and I was like, I'm going to do, like, all of the cool stuff here mm-hmm. and have a better time than you. And it I happen. don't think that happened. Oh. That's, um, that's too bad. It was, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're okay with yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, we've been really busy at the library. Really? I haven't even looked at my email, so... Well, they're going to be full uh, of crap. No, just kidding. I don't think I sent you any emails. Oh, good. <laughs> but, um, so on the 4th of July, yes. I went to Ridgefield. Oh, okay. And I went to the parade there with some friends, and then I went to a friend's house for a barbecue. Fun. So that was good. That is good. And on the 5th, we had, like, a pretty big turnout for story time, like, bigger than we thought being, you know... After a holiday. After a holiday. Mm-hmm. And then what else did I do? I went camping. Oh, fun. And went on a, a hike with my dogs and my dad and his friend. Is that the four-hour waterfall hike Yeah. That I saw? Nice. We weren't necessarily planning, but, like, once we started, we were like, we might as well just go down to the next waterfall. Well, sure. Um, did I tell you I made a bucket list that includes taking more hikes to waterfalls? No. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Carry on. You made a bucket list? Oh, not really. I just made a list of things I wanted to do. <laughs> I think so, the whole world is my bucket do you list. Remember, <laughs> do you remember in the movie The Bucket List came out? I think we've talked about this before because I was singing that John Mayer song. Which one? Um, Is it Say What You Want to Say? Right. Yeah, where right. it just says it over and over. Anyways... I went to see a movie, and I don't remember which movie we were seeing with some friends at the time that that movie was out in the theater. Uh And we were waiting outside, like, in the movie line, and these people in front of us, (laughs) um, one of them was like... There, I think they were just deciding on what to see. Right. And I was like, what's the bucket list? And the other person was like, "Uh, it's about a movie about, like, a list. (laughs) (laughs) And a bucket. (laughs) And they put the list... (laughs) 
in the bucket. Oh man, you know how like when you're eavesdropping uh-huh. and somebody says something that makes you laugh, and then you feel like, oh my, I'm caught. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so good. So uh, it's not really a bucket list. It's just, hey, I'd like to see more waterfalls, so I'm going to take more hikes to waterfalls. Um, we've done two, no one. How many, Matilda? Oh, she's not paying attention. We just did the one, I think. Which Axel, one? Axel, yeah, Axel and I hiked out to, it's really close. It's the one that's right by Klatskanai, Beaver Falls or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, so we walked out there. I mean, just to see what it was, because mm-hmm. it's listed as a waterfall. But it's not really a hike. It's a walk up and down a hill oh. and to a waterfall. So we walked like from our property. We have to like cross the river, and then we can walk on the um, Klamath Horse Trail, mm-hmm. and that goes... All the way over to Kalama uh, Falls. Oh, okay. Um, and that area is like open to the public. You have to walk in on the um, like access road. It's oh, not okay. accessible to regular people, just the um, Fish and Wildlife Service that maintains it now. Oh, right. The road isn't. The road accessible. isn't. Right. Yeah. Just for walking. And it's kind of cool because I didn't been there. We, when I was a kid, we used to camp down there and it was owned by like Warehouser. Oh, mm hmm. So you had to get a forestry. No, they oh. just let you oh. come in, mm-hmm. and then they um, gated the road, and then you could still walk in. Oh. But they were having problems with like vandals and oh. littering and stuff. Oh, so sure. um, access got more and more limited. And then they, I don't know. I think it passed through a couple different forestry hands before. Um, now it's maintained by Fish and Wildlife, gotcha. so you can walk in. But I was saying it's kind of cool because the road before was just like uh, like a logging road, and now that nothing's really been on that road it's kind of does feel more like a wide oh, trail oh, oh neat so you'll have to uh show me how to get yeah that, i will i'll just put that on my um list. it was cool we like walked down to the and waterfall and then we came back and there it. has been a fresh bear poo oh. in the road and i was like nothing to see here bear <laughs> did you have your bear spray and your no. bells and whistles i had dogs with me oh that's right you had dogs. so the bear is afraid of dogs and then they don't come out nice Hmm. I don't have a dog. <laughs> to borrow your dog. Yeah. They wouldn't mind. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, and then I I've done some more stuff with my dogs, but it's basically the same thing, just in a different place. And it's been yeah busy at the library. We had Jedi Academy last week. Oh right. How'd that go? Um. Well, let me tell you about July 2019 and how it won't stop raining. Oh right. So we've had to do all our Wednesday programs inside. This month, which has never happened before. No. Like in history. I know that, yeah, it's cold. Yeah, and it's it was ridiculous. raining. Mm-hmm. So we did Jedi Academy inside. And I mean, I prefer to do it outside, but it turned out okay. It was pretty like crowded and stuff. Right. But, um, yeah, we had like 97 kids that come to that. So many for inside. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think they had fun. And then this week we did Growing Up Moon. Okay. So we did it at the Kelso Library on Tuesday, and then we did it in the Longview Library yesterday. Cool. And that one, I was, like, really bummed about having to do inside. Yeah. Um. So I put a pop-up outside, uh-huh. like, the lower floor entrance. That, and I was like, I'm going to do my station and Jacob's out here. Right. Because they're kind of messier. And mine is, like, um, you make impact paintings. They're throwing, like, 
con balls that are covered with paint, a piece of paper. Uh huh. Um, and his was a water balloon one, where it's the same kind oh of thing where you throw a water balloon and you measure the uh-huh. splatter, splatter mm-hmm. basically. Forensics. Yeah. So uh-huh. his was measuring the splatter, and mine was trying to see like which color was oldest. Oh, okay. But then, and I thought like it would keep sprinkling a little bit, and everyone else would be inside. And then at three, when we started, it started dumping. Oh no. So he did his inside into a like a kid pool because okay. I was like oh I thought you could just do it on the sidewalk and now all of the sidewalk is wet you can't measure uh, anything out here oh that's terrible so it was fun um, the friends of Galileo came and they did a station all about using telescopes to observe the moon and they had like maps and all this cool stuff and right. the kids really liked that a lot too I'm just showing you this because that big bright that's the moon yeah so yeah. you were there they had like um eclipse that is the other day. Yeah, it, I think the eclipse happened in we got there. South America. Yeah. So this was at 4:45 <laughs> p.m. on July 16th, right? So we're looking at this picture that I took of the moon. It was so bright. It looks like the sun. Yeah, it's so bright. It looks like the sun. So then I turned around and looked behind me, and that's what it looked like. Whoa! Yeah, isn't that beautiful? So that is. You can't see what I'm seeing, but it's like. So this is 4:49 p.m. So right at the end of day. Yeah. it's Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So it's like the horizon and then this like bright yellowy orange glow and then night above it. Right. And just to show you how high we are, right? So we're coming in for a landing. This is it. But you see there's a mountain popping out of the top oh, of that yeah. cloud. Yeah. So isn't that amazing? Yeah. Oh, and then there's a picture of ketchup and mayonnaise. Okay. <laughs> Um, did you guys get altitude sick? We had, so um, through our our healthcare program, we had to do, we did a travel clinic. So they recommended different um, shots and uh, gave us a prescription for altitude sickness and for violent diarrhea. And so they suggested that we take the anti-altitude sickness medication a day before we left and then continue for up to two days after we got there. So we just did that. Mm -hmm. So we felt all kinds of tired of being up that high where you walk. So Quito is on a hill, Mm -hmm. of course. And we decided that every time we left our door, we had to walk uphill to get everywhere we were going, even when we were coming home. Everything was uphill. (laughs) And so we were winded. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were exhausted and, um, there were several different times where we felt tingling in our fingers and toes. And so we knew we had to slow down and catch our breath. And there was one particular trip that we took where, um, we had to walk up a hill. I mean, and, and this was not little, this was like this steep inclined hill that went for, I would say we probably walked half a mile. Mm-hmm. And so we walked up this forever. Maybe it was a quarter mile, but it felt like forever. So we walk up this, and then we get to the top of it, and this is where this Basilica Church is. And so we gave them $2 so that we could walk to the top of the towers of that church. And we were so tired <laughs> by the time we got done. But it was amazing because we felt tired all the time. So we would go early in the morning. So you probably go really good like now. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> Well, when we got to the Galapagos, it was like, holy crud, we could just breathe the entire air in. And yeah, it was it was amazing. So we went um, in the morning, we would do something, and then we would come back and rest. And then after, um, we would go eat lunch and go do something, and then come back and rest. And then after a while, we would 
go out and eat dinner and go do something and then come back for the day. So we, we made sure that we made time to rest in between each one of these outings because it, it really does exhaust you. Do they um, like pipe extra oxygen in your hotel room or oh, no, anything no, like that? No, we, we got like, an Airbnb. Oh, where yeah. Jennifer went to Peru, like mm-hmm. they did that at where she stayed. Right. We lived in somebody's apartment for the week. And so it was great. Uh, it was a living room, two bedrooms, kitchen, bathroom mm-hmm. on the second floor of a colonial building. So it had all of the cool, cool. architecture. Um, it was 25 bucks a night. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was right downtown, right in the colonial part of the city, which is where we wanted to spend all of our time. And um, so there were no hotel perks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all, you know, on your own. And I, I will say that it was it was an experience. And I think that, you know, I don't I don't necessarily believe that we needed the medicine that mm-hmm. they prescribed. But, but you don't we know. Took it. Exactly. We took it and we figured, well, it, it didn't say take it the whole time you're there. It mm-hmm. just said take it for these three or four days. And so we did. And then we quit and then it was time to leave. So it just worked out. Yeah. But we did notice immediately that we could walk all day long in the Galapagos. Mm-hmm. And we did. We walked all day long. And it's not... So we went to Santa Cruz Island. That's where we based. And we stayed in a hotel there. And it's... Uh, uh, Puerto Ayora is the name of the biggest city there. And there's 27,000 people there. And that's the biggest city. So... Did you uh, eat guinea pig? Um, we did try it. How was yeah. it? It was... Um, we were... We were... So they don't have guinea pig in the Galapagos. This is Justin Quito. And we actually got it on pizza... Because mm-hmm. we were like, well, we don't even know what it's supposed to take like. So we'll take the easy way out and get it on pizza. We we ate it. We wouldn't get it again. What does it describe it? There's, I don't, I can't. I mean, it was just like sausage, you know. It was, I wouldn't say we had a, an authentic taste I of see. it. I yeah. But we tried it. We figured, well, we're here. This is what they eat. We're going to try it. And we did. I think we would try it more authentic next yeah, time. So yeah, so you really tell what it tastes exactly. like. Exactly, yeah. Because they said... Of course, mm-hmm. it tastes like chicken, but yeah, I don't believe that. Mm-mm. Yeah, it probably tastes like <laughs> guinea pig hamster. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your reference for the flavor of hamster? <laughs> uh, it's nummy. <laughs> I don't know. I had hamsters when I was a kid that ate each other. Oh, well, um, so they seem to think that they tasted pretty good. Probably like chicken. Um, no. <laughs> So anyway, it was altitude sickness was, it wasn't a sickness. We didn't get sick, um, but we did, we felt the effects of it quite a bit. So, um, and, and it's funny too, because you don't even notice, you know, until you're just tired. And we went on a, on this uh, um, tour where we ended up going to a, a great big huge market, and then we went up to the top of this volcano that had a crater lake at the top, and we had to you know go up even higher to get to the top of this, and and it had um, one section that went up, and then a landing, and then another section that went up till you got to the actual top. And so Lydia just hauled off; she was going, and she got to that first landing, and she's like, <laughs> and the guide he said, "One step, one breath, don't." Don't rush. One step, uh-huh. one breath. He said, "That's that's our rule here. Period. One step, one breath. Yeah, don't make yourself sick. Yeah. So um, we all got to the top, and she recovered nicely. But it's it's super noticeable. Yeah. You know? I wonder. I yeah. I've not been that high, but I do get like nosebleeds and stuff at high altitudes. You know, it's funny because somebody was telling us that they suffered 
yeah. severe nosebleeds. We, our noses were completely dried out. It was like, you know, horrible, painful, dried yeah. out noses. Yeah. Um, uh, several years ago when I was living in Michigan, my brother drove there with me one year and we went through Colorado and we have this bag of like Fritos or something that we mm-hmm. bought like in Vancouver. So it's probably packaged in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And then as we were driving, it was like, you know, getting bigger. Right. So we were like, oh, we'll just see like how high we get before the before bag pops. just pops. Right. And we were driving um, on the freeway. And just when we were going like through the Passat uh, Vale, right. the bag popped. Oh. And also my nose started bleeding <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I was like, we got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much we um our suitcase we learned a lesson um our water bottles have you know like the straws and the built-in thing and so we opened them as soon as we were off the plane so we filled it up in panama and then brought that water with us and when we opened it to take a drink it just shot straight <laughs> out of the bottle and then um lydia had some um soap in a bottle uh-huh. Like, like uh, uh, some kind of liquid soap in a bottle. And it was in a single plastic bag. And then um, all of her other bathroom stuff was in there. And um, it was completely full of that soap. It, it had just shot <laughs> completely. Out. So on the way to the Galapagos, we double bagged it. And it did fine. But then we double bagged it again on the way home. And um, uh, it's still, uh, when we got home last night, we opened up. and It's, it's a bag of soap. Yeah, it's just a bag of liquid soap. <laughs> Like, note to self, do not bring that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, the prices were amazing. Everything was super cheap for us, um, where you would go into um, somewhere to have a meal and it and your lunch cost $2. And I mean, it was just mind boggling for us how much, how how cheap the food was. What was your favorite thing you ate? My, I really liked the locro soup, which was this cheese soup with potatoes in it. And, and you could get it with rice and avocado and an egg. And um, a boiled egg. And that was $2. So you have the avocado in your soup? It's on the side. Yeah. Yeah. And you mix it in. And then they've got this really delicious hot sauce that they make. I might have to look that Mm. one up. I don't really like avocado like cooked or warm. Well, this is raw. Right. Yeah. And so you just, you can just eat it right there. Sure. Yeah. You don't have to put it in the soup. But it was delicious. (laughs) It was really yummy. Um, I ended up not getting rice because it was way too much food. Lydia opted for the rice because she doesn't she didn't really want the potatoes so mm-hmm. um but i ended up getting it with no rice and that was better for me empanadas we mm-hmm. ate a ton of empanadas we went to one restaurant because we didn't know what their empanadas tasted like and while we were there it was interesting because we couldn't eat that much I mean, a part of being up that high is that we were just not hungry and so um we ordered uh, I think we ordered seven different kinds of empanadas, like um, one of each. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was nine because we wanted to try them. So we had them bring out these nine different plates of empanadas and we'd take pieces off of each one just so we could try each one of them. We ended up leaving so much food behind. We tried every one of them. Mm -hmm. And then, but for all of that and a fruit smoothie, blackberry and a, 
Coke Zero. 50 cents. For the whole thing, <laughs> it was nine fifty for all of that wow. food. So it was like, wow. Might as well try it all. Yeah, exactly. And and um, we decided we really liked a couple of different kinds of empanadas, and we found out the ones we never, ever want to eat again. So that was good wow. research. Oh, man, we had these one things. I don't know what they were. So we went to this one place that served, um, I guess it would be a, a less than restaurant, but more than fast food kind of place where it was like like in the middle Mm -hmm. um and so we got um casual dining (laughs) yeah kind of yeah but it was it was fresher than what you'd get at mcdonald's that's for sure but it was um we got the grilled special which came with different cuts of meat that had been grilled and sausages and and so we tried all of them and it came with what they called tortillas and we were like oh Okay, that'll be great. Corn tortillas. <laughs> so they brought them, and they were these, like, I don't know, flat muffin-looking things that were made from corn. Mm-hmm. And we took one bite, and we were like, no, thank you. We're done with those. Well, I did not what was it like, like it. It was like sweet, burnt corn with vinegar or something. It was really an unpleasant huh. sensation to eat that, so I wouldn't have them again. But at the same time... We went to another restaurant where they um, make, uh, they're called yapingachos, and they're potato, and they make them into something that looks exactly like that little t- corn tortilla thing, and we were we got those, and we're like, oh, no. <laughs> but then we tried them. They were delicious. Oh. Those were delicious. The um, guide that we had for, for the tour that we did to the uh, market it was indigenous um, to one of the Andean communities there, and so he was telling us all kinds of information about um, growing potatoes and things like that. And he said there were 400 varieties of potatoes that they grow. It's like, wow, I wonder yeah. which one makes this one because I really like <laughs> this one. How do I get this particular exactly. potato? This is the only one I want right now. Thank you. Yeah, But it was fun. It was, I think that, because, uh, I mean, the rule at, at our house, and Matilda can uh, tell you this is true, is that you're not allowed to say, I don't like it until you actually don't like it. You can't not try something. Well, sure. So, so um, when when we go traveling, we eat you whatever's there. You have to taste there. everything. Exactly. Exactly. Because you never know. You might come away with something you really like. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. What yeah. a good trip. What a good trip. It was a good trip. I have to go to work tomorrow. Wah, wah. I know. No, it's been good at work. Good. I'm going to ease into it. That's why I chose to go to work on Friday mm-hmm. rather than wait until Monday. Yeah. I figure, well, I'll go get all my email cleaned up and then have the weekend to... Sleep some more. Yeah, sleep a little bit more and then come to work for real on Monday. So, Are you going to the brew fest on Saturday? Uh, probably not. Um, maybe we'll call you and you can come pick us up and take us home. Okay. <laughs> I, I can totally be your driver. <laughs> not a problem. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I had fun last year. Yeah. And it also just happened to fall on my day off again this year. So Yeah. Luckily. So Jennifer's working. Yeah, she's going to see maybe if she can, if it's still hopping. That's a beer joke. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. When she's off that, she might come by. Boy. She's going to come boy, she huh? She might come boy. She might come boy. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> she's a very busy woman. <laughs> well, that'll be fun. So if you guys need a ride, just let me know. I will okay. totally come pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I guess it's time to talk about the actual book that I actually crammed for this. Um, I took it as an audio because I figured, you know, with all the plane time, I'd have 
plenty of time to listen to it. And I ended up um, on the trip down. We didn't listen to anything because mm-hmm. you know we it, you know the adventure had begun. Yeah, so we just did stuff for fun. And then um, uh, we were busy all the time, so I never found a time. Yeah, to actually I think like especially if you it. go somewhere, you never read as much on vacation as you think you're going. Right. To. So then we were traveling. Oh, I think it was when we were going from Quito to the Galapagos. I said to Lydia, Lydia, I have to listen to this book because I have to talk about it on Thursday. <laughs> so I turned it on and listened to m- most of it. And then I had two hours left to listen to this morning. So I finished it before I left the house today. And I totally forgot about my book until like 1030 <laughs> last night. And I was like, oh, no, didn't read the rest of this book. So I read like two more chapters and then I was tired. So I went to sleep. The end. The end. <laughs> we are done here. So, <laughs> Well, we can talk about what we've got. I can talk about my book. Yeah, talk about your book. Okay, and then I have some books, actually, I do want to talk about that are unrelated to this. Okay. But related to summer reading and stuff. Oh, okay. So what was your book? It was called A Time of Changes by Robert Silverberg. Um, and I chose this. Um, this was a Nebula Award winner. This was the Nebula Award winner. Um, the topic chosen by Jennifer. And... I went to the Nebula site and I was like, I don't even know where to start. So I went That's to the year I was born and I said, I'll just oh, do the one okay. that was on the year I was born. So I did that one. <clears throat> and I, <laughs> so I remember talking with you about it a little mm-hmm. bit and you said it's probably a romance. And so I was like, yeah, it's probably something I'm going to hate a lot. Oh, right. Um, you hated it? I didn't hate it. Um, I don't think that I... So I'm going to, you know, put out a little disclaimer that says, you know, this was forced listening at a time when I was on vacation. And so I might have resented it. I didn't resent it, but I wasn't as interested in it as I could have been. Okay. Um, and uh, so this book is about a far off um, time where um, Earth's population has populated other planets in the system and so larger far off systems, in the future, way far off in the future, and thousands of years have gone by since Earth was actually inhabited only. Okay. And so humans went out and they populated these other areas of the universe, and so there's been a huge um, disconnect from being Earth people, and so this particular community has evolved to no longer see the self as um, a good thing. So um, when you talk about yourself, you cannot use I. You never talk in the first person. It's always third person. One does this when <laughs> one. And so then this um, particular, you know, the, the main character in here, he uh, meets up with this uh, Earth guy who um, is traveling through space just to get to know other places. He's a tourist. Pretty much. Um, and he talks in I all the time. And this other guy is, you know, he's already started this wondering and, and um, kind of seeing himself being more interested in himself than other people are. And um, so then he meets this Earth guy who says, hey, I, I uh, will... I, I have access to this drug that will help us see each other very clearly. And then he does this with his friend and then they end up being, you know, all about, um, I, I, I. And so then he starts sharing this drug with other people and essentially, you know, corrupts, um, a bunch of people according to society's rules and, and he ends up dying for it. So, 
spoiler alert. <gasps> Sorry about that. That's funny. So I got advanced copies of this book called Oval. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember now. Sorry. Um, but I gave one to Jennifer because I talked to somebody at like midwinter at mm-hmm. the publishing booth about it. And right. she thought that it would be a good book club selection. So she gave us some copies. And I haven't nice. read mine yet. Right. But the premise of this one is it takes place like in a near future. Mm-hmm. And there's been a drug developed that makes people feel almost like the opposite, like oh. more disconnected, compassionate towards oh. other people uh-huh. and have more of a like a community feeling oh. and less like individual, I guess. Uh-huh. And they developed this to try to like, you know, heal the wounds of society or whatever. And mm-hmm. it um, takes place in Germany. Um, so they release this drug onto, into the club scene uh-huh. there. And that's like the promise of the, uh-huh. of the book. Interesting. So, yeah. huh. Maybe you so should read that next. Maybe I will compare. Yeah. Um, I wonder where that will fit on my list. <laughs> Uh, we'll find someone. Yeah. So, um, I, so, so the, the premise was interesting. It was interesting, you know, because it was, this person had to maintain this, this other, um, disconnected personality throughout the, the whole story, but always, it was a, a first person narrative that, you know, he just kept talking about how his life had, had changed and progressed over the course of this time. And the whole, the whole book is about him writing a book that relates what happened. So is like, are they saying that the drug, the individualist drug is a good or? No, no, it's horrible. Okay. Yeah. It was, you know, something that he never should have brought into it. And, um, once he died, it went away. I mean, the drug still exists in another part of their universe, but it's, um, coming into their part of their community, it was seen as horrible. So is that, like, do you think it has, like, a message? Like, it's, like, trying to say something about, like, colonialism or... No, 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 no. This is drugs. It's it was mostly about drugs. It was it was all about um, denying self. So so their culture is to deny the self but acknowledge others in a kind of not not disconnected from each other because you have these um, very strong connections to certain people in your community and mm-hmm. and but it's about the whole rather than the individual and so you this so the argument that the space guy the earth guy was saying is that you can't love anybody because you don't love yourself and so they never actually knew what love was for other people because they didn't know what it was themselves. And so it was this whole journey of this man. You know, it's like an LSD trip where he really liked it and he wanted <laughs> to share it with everybody else. But it made him, and, and that's exactly what it was. It seemed like a, an LSD trip kind of thing where, okay. you know, you and I take it. And so now you and I are, are super connected. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, let me tell you about another book I read recently okay. that reminds me of that. I just uh, finished listening to the audiobook of Michael Pollan's uh, How to Change Your Mind, okay. which is about psychedelic drugs. Okay. So, yeah. That's exactly like that. what it was. Yeah. And I mean, when you start thinking about it, the time is right. It's the right time of... of um, when the book was published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the right time of development for that kind of culture. And the other thing about the book is that it was a lot of um, reference to manhood and his particular prowess or lack thereof. And yeah. so there was a lot of, a lot of sexual description. I mean, there wasn't, I wouldn't say there was a lot of sex. 
well, there must have been some, but um, it was just a long description of his body and his person and his his abilities and lack of abilities. And it was was very interesting. It was a kind of a science fiction story with a little sexy side. (laughs) I was like, well, but no romance. Yeah, no romance. Except so for romance is, romance. No, so romance, <laughs> it, and that's that. That was the interesting part is that, you know, he really, really. So there's there are two connections that you are given at birth, right, um, to other people, and they are your bond brother and your bond sister. So they're not your blood brother and sister, but they are chosen for you as your bond brother and sister to be with you for the rest of your life. And so ed- every person has a brother and a sister that with whom they are bonded. And they're not the same, obviously, for everybody, because that would be weird. But um, <laughs> so these, you know, you're allowed to, to reveal your inner self to these two people during your life. And then over the course of time, you just stop doing that because it's just not the norm. But you're very, very connected. And so this guy, the problem he had was that he was in love with his bond sister, mm. which was a taboo, forbidden kind of thing. So he couldn't do anything with her. And so then, um, you know, you run this whole story about um, uh, him building these other relationships when the one relationship he really wants is the one he can never have. And then at the end, you know, he ends up doing this drug transaction with his Bond sister, and she ends up killing herself the next Aww. day. Yeah, because it was too much to know about him. Oh. Yeah, and so then he doesn't, you know, he runs off and hides and finishes writing this book for other people to know what happened, but he doesn't really care what happens to himself because the one person with whom he wanted this yeah. to work doesn't work. Wow, that sounds really sad. Yeah, and, but it, just, you know, it really wasn't, I mean, it was sad that that's how that happened, but you knew at the very beginning that she was going to die. Oh. Because at the very beginning of the book, he has this premonition mm-hmm. or this, this dream of having sex with her when it never happened. So... Is the book that you're reading the book that he wrote? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's it. It said, if you're reading this, then blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. So you are reading the book that he wrote so that he could share the whole story with Mm -hmm. everyone. So, yeah. I would say that it was. um, What's it called again? uh, A Time for Changes. Okay. And I didn't dislike it. I I wouldn't say it was my favorite book of Mm -hmm. all time, but it was. it was interesting to to hear that, you know, especially considering that we're in a time of history, which now, which kind of promotes that that uh, sense of of caring for others all the time. You mm-hmm. know, you know where you're you're supposed to think less about your your own being, but more about how you are as part of this group. Mm-hmm. And it it's funny because this one is you know where this community sees the group as the whole and the individual as outsider. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. I think it is kind of interesting to read older science fiction mm-hmm. too because even though it's like supposed to be future thinking, it reveals a lot about the Past. time that was exactly. written. And sometimes it's really interesting and sometimes you're like, it's just really dated. Right. Where especially sometimes will you read a science fiction novel where I think sexism is the most often that this comes through but sometimes in other areas too um where they're like oh it's two thousand years in the future and we still have the exact same like social standards right. as we right. do now yeah. that even like 20 years later yeah. are totally dated yeah exactly i will say that this one you know they they did not have i don't know i think that it was an interesting concept that the whole society would have um they outlawed the words i and my and mine and me and 
So whenever you had to talk about yourself, it was always one does this when one wants to, mm-hmm. and you know, and and so um, the idea of you being an individual wasn't there. It's the language that wasn't there anymore. Yeah, that's interesting too because like that just makes it so you assume everyone is just like you, mm-hmm. which is. N- a very good thing generally well, to just assume you know, everyone has the same like experiences and tastes and well so of course there was the uh, covenant that was made uh-huh that you know i mean and that's that's how a lot of those stories go is that you have this culture that is being told you will do this from now on and then it just becomes part of what that culture is and so you, you in their case it was called the covenant where you made this agreement with mm-hmm. this um entity i guess to um live under these rules and everybody it's like did joining it. a cult well yeah but it the cult in that case had over it's, taken yeah. everything so it's i think now he was trying to start a new cult <laughs> and it ruined everything it did and and it was interesting too because it was it was kind of sad because so he's going through this journey on this new road, right? That, and he's trying to bring people with him to, to experience this because he's really enjoying it. He really feels good about this new path that he's decided to take. And then um, he goes and shares some of that information during a confessional to one of these covenant people, and the, that's who gets him in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that a comment on uh, people of religious communities where you know you go in like you know, if you go into a priest and you give a confession you're supposed to understand that that's private and right. privileged mm-hmm. but then in his case he thought it was private and privileged and then that priest ended up reporting him to the authorities so wow what's that saying huh. yeah interesting well the book that i didn't finish it's called The Art of Starving. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. Mm. So I'll finish and I'll let you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear that one go, how that one goes, because the whole idea behind that one is, is very interesting, considering yeah. how um, anorexia is viewed as a, a girl problem. Yeah. Well, and it's like, so like I mentioned before, <clears throat> last time, that there's like a, the same author wrote, um another book that's out this summer called destroy all monsters and destroy all monsters is the name of his sister's band. Oh, so I assume that that's what that book is about. Right. But he's like still, I like in the middle of the book really deep into thinking that his anorexia is giving him like superpowers. Oh. So that's kind of what I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, especially since it won a science fiction award, if it's going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm curious to I'll see what the science fiction connection actually is. Yeah. So, because it all sounds like pretty... right now I'm thinking he's just delusional. Right. So. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've been doing instead of finishing that book <laughs> is I've been watching Veronica Mars. Oh, that's right. You said you were going to do that too. So. <laughs> I said, stop everything. Uh-huh. I'm just going to watch Veronica Mars. Right. Um, so I'm in the third season. Um, which is not as good as the first two seasons. And I was thinking yesterday watching it, like, why isn't this as good? And I think it's like the, the, the first, the, there's like a big mystery of the first one, which mm-hmm. is like who killed her best friend, Lily Kane. Right. And in the second season, there's like a bus crash that was deliberately crashed and all these people died. Right. Like her classmates and stuff. Um, and I think those were just like higher stakes than the mysteries in the third one, oh. because like, 
like you know those characters right, more. Right. Then in the third season, she goes to college and there's just like tons of new people and right. I don't know them at all. It's kind of like high school, high school musical. Where... <laughs> you want to know something? <laughs> what? I've never seen any of those Oh movies. my gosh. Matilda, <laughs> set her straight. <laughs> I, I watched the beginning of the first one and I was like, this is terrible. I really don't like what's her name. Vanessa? I don't like Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, I can see that. She's yeah. like a really bad actress. <laughs> I've turned off two movies because she was in oh. it. That one. And um <laughs> he's he's a cutie. But uh um what was that one? It was like a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Beastly? Oh right. She's in it. Yeah. I turn it off. Yeah. I was like, you it's like it ruins, it ruins any possible enjoyment you might have. I can't believe it. Like she's, it's bad. She's just a really yeah, bad actress. She really is. Yeah, I I don't know if I've watched High School Musical all the way through, but I've had oh I don't know a million opportunities. <laughs> is that right, Matilda? A million at least. Oh my gosh! And so now they've polluted really their brothers' liked, um, minds. <laughs> teen Beach movie. Did you see that one? No. You didn't like it? Well, I thought that one was cute, and I. Oh, I didn't see the oh. second one. Well, um, didn't you do a Teen Beach movie night for the yeah, kids? Yeah, we did that yeah. last year. I was like, yeah, this movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um, oh, no. I keep breaking my pop sockets, you guys. Um, are the one, Is it the ones you made? or is This it... is the one I made, oh, uh-huh. but the one I broke before, uh, I just I, I got it from Santa Claus. Oh. Um, but this one I made, and I, I broke it right there. Uh-oh. So it's like still functioning, but this thing comes off every now and then. Uh-huh. Okay. So what I was going to talk about, so I've been watching Friday to Mars. Right. <laughs> but I've also been reading other things. So I've been trying to catch up and read lots of comic books for the graphic novels uh, committee I'm on. Right. So I've been doing that. And then I also um, had a bunch of library books that were due, so I had to read those. I think that's why I stopped reading that Art of Starving. It was because I was like, crap, all these uh-huh. library books are, are due. due, right. I can't renew them anymore. They hold. <laughs> um, so I read all these things. But the one I wanted to talk to you about, oops, uh-huh. was called I Love You, Michael Collins. Uh-huh. So uh, this week has been the anniversary of Apollo 11. Right. Um, Saturday the t- 20th mm-hmm. is the anniversary of when they first walked on the moon. Right. So um, I've read a couple of books this year. Mm-hmm. On that theme. And this is like a kid's book that I read. Okay. So it's called I Love You, Michael Collins, and it's by Lauren Barratz Logstead. Okay. Which is a hyphenated name. Um, and then I decided we're going to be reading this for the Kids Book Club in September. Oh, cool. That's how much I liked it. Wow. Um, so it takes place in July 1969, and the main character is Mammy. Okay. She and all her sisters are named after... First ladies. Okay. Um, so uh, in class before they're out for the summer, her teacher gives an assignment to all the kids to write a letter to an astronaut. And she picks Michael Collins because nobody else picks him, okay. basically. Mm-hmm. And the story is told in her letters to him. So at first she doesn't really know anything about like who he is or what the mission is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she keeps writing to him as it, she learns more about what he's doing. Uh-huh. Um, and... At home, her parents are always fighting, and then her mom ends up leaving. 
um, and staying with her sister. And then her dad like goes after her. And then her sister, who's supposed to be staying with her and taking care of her, is like, I'm going to go stay at my boyfriend's house this weekend. So she's like alone at home. And she has a friend and his family like next door that um, are kind of like looking out for her. Okay. But this is all during the moon landing. Mm -hmm. And so she really relates a lot to Michael Collins as being like the one who stays is like the home base for the astronauts who go down onto the moon. Um, So that's kind of related to her life. But it's also like she and her friend are really into the Apollo mission. They watch like the rocket take off and follow the news throughout. So it's like a nice historical book, too. And I just really liked it a lot. Nice. Another book I read this year about the Apollo missions was about Apollo 8. Okay. And it's called Apollo 8. Weird. Yeah. And it's a kid's nonfiction book. Did I talk about this before? I don't think so. I don't recognize that one. Okay. Because I read it and I was like really into it and I wanted to talk about it all the time. <laughs> so I was like, mm, I might have already talked about it. Uh, let me see if I can find it here in my Goodreads so I can tell you who wrote it. <laughs> It's called Apollo 8, The Mission That Changed Everything by Martin Sandler. Okay. Martin W. Sandler. And um, Apollo 8 was the first uh, manned mission that went out to where the moon is, and they orbited the moon, and then they came back. Okay. And so it it talks about kind of the history of, like, the Apollo missions and JFK's pretty um, ambitious goal when he stated that we're going to go to the moon by the end of this decade. Right. Um. So it talks about that. And, and we then, will do these things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then he died, but people still did him. They did these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this, it's, it was a really interesting book because it talks like specifically about the mission and a little bit about the science of like the rockets that they had to develop in order to go that far. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what always uh, boggles my mind is to think about the technology that they use to go that far compared to the technology that's in our cell phones. As being far more yeah. advanced, but they made it. There's like so much, and I think every mission has this, like so many moments where it's like everything could have gone wrong, but these guys are like, uh, what? Like they just figured it out. Mm-hmm. Like, what if we put a pencil in there? Like, yeah. Because that, you know, thing that we're supposed to flick is broken now. Right. So, right. Uh, <laughs> we got to get back to Earth somehow. <laughs> or, you know, um, even like Apollo 13, mm-hmm. they didn't get to land on the moon like they were going to. <laughs> right. But they survived. And the guy who led that, I think he was, he was on Apollo 13 mission. I don't know if he was the in charge guy, but um, he was on in Apollo eight too. So he went to the moon twice, but never got to land. Okay. What was I saying? Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, and this book really, I think made me think about how incredible it is. And since I read it, like every time I look at the moon, I'm like, people were out there. Yeah. Y- yeah. It's so far away. And I hadn't even thought about this in my entire life, really. But like, as far as astronauts go now, it's, you know, like it's less than a thousand miles away. Right. It's like I could drive there in a day. Right. Well, maybe a couple of days. But right. And the moon is like a quarter million miles. Uh-huh. And it's like so it's like hundreds of thousands of miles further than anyone had gone before. Right. And they're just like going out there just and if going. Anything had gone wrong, they would have just like floated out into space and died. Right. Like if they'd missed orbit. Right. Or if anything had gone wrong and Michael Collins had to stay up there in orbit. And if something had gone wrong down on the moon, he would have been coming back to Earth by himself. Right. Isn't it's, that weird? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It really is. And now with the thought of going to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. 
Missiles was just showing 238,000 miles to the moon. Good job. <laughs> yeah, that'd take more than a day. Yeah, yeah, it's so much further. And then there's like so much interesting. I just really recommend this book. And they, I like the way, too, that the author talks about the people back on Earth that worked on the mission, but also a little bit about the men's wives mm-hmm. who sacrificed a lot for their husbands to be working on this all of the time mm-hmm. and not home. And the fact that they were going out somewhere where they might not ever come back. And there was like a quote from one of them who um, talked about how it was hard for her, but this was during like the Vietnam War and all of these astronauts were military pilots. She said that if he wasn't in the Apollo mission, he would probably be in Vietnam where he would most likely have died. Right. So that was a reason she was really grateful for the Apollo program. Isn't that something? Which is really interesting. It is interesting. You know, neither of the outcomes would have been good. No. Yeah. Um, but, but she thought it's a higher chance of survival going to the moon. Isn't that, well, yeah. and that's sad and horrific yeah. all, all by itself. Yeah. Huh. Um, I think but they, just, there were three astronauts who did die in the Apollo missions, yeah. and that was, I don't remember which one, um, before eight. And so. That's just, well, and it's interesting because I think that um, going to elementary school, when I went, we heard more about space programs mm-hmm. and NASA and astronauts. And you don't hear that from school these days. You just don't hear it very often. No. I, I mean, my son, he's in, he just finished fourth grade and I don't think that they really spoke about anything yeah. yet. Well, earlier this year, um, the vice president did make some, some kind of pledge, like um, we would be back on the moon by 2024. Right. Which is very soon. That is very soon. It would be, it would be neat if there, I mean, obviously there are all kinds of things that are worth supporting monetarily funding, mm-hmm. et cetera. But it seems to me that that is a, a worthy thing to support. Yeah. And so much technology came out of working on this right. that people wouldn't have, like, you don't know when you set out that like, this is going to lead to Right. I don't know. Us having cell phones. I don't know if that's true. No, yeah, but the idea, you get the idea. <laughs> right. right. Um, I was talking to one of the members of Friends of Galileo a little bit about this on Tuesday when I saw them. Um, and he was telling me about there's like an age gap between um, like the engineers and stuff who work for NASA. Right. And, the, and more of the younger workforce is going to work for like SpaceX for. Right. right. What's his face? Right. Tesla. <laughs> that's not his name Elon Musk there you go <laughs> he wishes he was Tesla um, he thinks and he's so Tesla. he said the average age for engineers working at SpaceX is like 25 yeah right out of school yeah, yeah. and then the average age at NASA are like in their late 50s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a whole different and that's just like concept, really splitting yeah. well and I think too that um, I think that's the way of everything nowadays is I think that there is such a uh, um, disconnect in so everybody talks about millennials mm-hmm. and, and how the the culture within that age bracket is so different than any of the other cultures of the other age brackets. And it and it seems like it's it's uh, something that is going to force more disconnect rather than do any good because you're going to compel these people who are of like mind and like age to work together and not want to bridge the gap mm-hmm. because y- you don't respect their yeah. opinions or whatever. Well, I think part of the is there's, there's just more money to make working for Elon Musk. 
probably. And when you have come out of college with, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt, right. you just gotta, you gotta make that paper. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but it is really interesting. I, I'm interested in seeing how the, like the future of the space programs, public and private go. Yeah. Did you see the headline in the news the other day about, um, trying to determine how to farm on Mars? I mean, I, no. Yeah. But it seems like we should go there first. Well, I don't know. I read The Martian and he grew just tons of potatoes on with Mars. With his own poo. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, someone's already figured it out and yeah. um <laughs> he's already there's already a movie yeah, about Yeah, like it. millions of us have read this book, Seriously. so <laughs> <laughs> Get it, NASA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's explore that poop option. Yeah, it's basically a how-to. Yeah. Um, and that was just one guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he had all the equipment of like four people, though. Right. But if one guy could figure out, that's like the pencil again. Yeah. Well, and then on the Apollo 8 book, there's just so much interesting stuff that happened. And I like all of these like personal stories of right. people. Um, but when they were coming back to Earth... Yes. Which was, I mean, like every moment is just like anything could go wrong and they would just all die. But um, some one of them broke their th- uh, equipment that was like going to tell them where to go. Right. Like give their coordinates for landing. Right. He broke it. So uh, <laughs> the other guy was like, no, I got this. So he took out his like little sextant sextant mm-hmm. and was like measuring mm-hmm. um, and did it all by hand. Uh-huh. And they landed so accurately that the back on earth they had to like move the boat oh. because they thought they were going to splash down and hit oh, the boat that's funny huh so it was like yeah. you're so smart they are yeah i guess that's what it takes to be an astronaut well when you think about polynesia and how all of those um tribes and mm-hmm. cultures sailed if you think about moana exactly <laughs> exactly because they were voyagers come on <laughs> They could do it again. <laughs> but but that's... Well, so my dad sailed from Mazatlan to the French Polynesian Islands, and he used a sextant to keep himself on track. I he thought, also had GPS on board at that yeah. time. But he used a sextant um, just to make sure he was on the right track. So, yeah. It's pretty incredible. It is incredible. It's incredible that um, we don't all know how to do that. Yeah. I mean, because oh, seriously, the <laughs> stars are there all the time. Um... <laughs> I'm definitely not prepared to go to space uh-huh. with two other people and like save our lives at any given moment. Wow. Are you feel prepared? Sure. Why not? You are? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't go with you. Come on. <laughs> no. I'd go. Um, it did make me think because I was always um, had this uh, fear of going to space. Okay. Which is like, a, why would you be afraid of like no one's going to force you to go to space? Right. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like in the movie Gravity, where mm-hmm. she's like, it's really scary and she almost dies. Right. Um, I was like this, I would never go to space. Right. Because this could happen to you. Right. But now reading about like the people who went to the moon, I was like, mm, like Earth orbit, that's not very far away. Like I'd go there. Yeah. Well, even Stephen Hawking just went relative. there. Hello. <laughs> The one thing. There? Yeah. They took him up just so he could experience zero gravity. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people go up there all the time. Yeah. All the time. (laughs) And and SpaceX is always, you know, promoting their their, uh, first space trip. You can pay for it now. Right. But like their thing with their trip is like you you just go 
briefly up. You're like John Glenning it. Right. You're not like going up to. You're not going to set space foot. station. Right. Yet. John Glenning it. That's that's a new term. <laughs> that's the term. Write that down. <laughs> Becky coined it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm super excited about the twentieth. That's going to be yeah awesome. There's been like lots of cool. TV specials and like magazine specials and stuff all about the anniversary. And there was like this photo shoot that some of the Apollo astronauts did. Mm-hmm. Um, not so like a few of them have died in the 50 years, 50 plus years since they started. Mm-hmm. Um, like Neil Armstrong. Right. Um, but many slash most of them are still living. Then some of them got together and did a photo shoot and Buzz Aldrin, who was like very dapper, right. kind of like stole the show with his oh. like fancy suit and right. everyone looked super boring next to him. <laughs> that's funny. Buzz. Buzz. Come on. Well, that's really cool. So um, maybe all of that excitement will be enough for you to finish your book. I'm just really focused on Veronica Mars and the moon right now. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Because it's like Mars. Got it. Yeah, got it. Uh-huh. In space. Stuff. So for our next book <laughs> that you will finish, oh, no. uh, I was thinking that I would like to. Is it my turn to pick? Jennifer picked the last you one. Just do so, whatever you want. Um, I would like to choose the um, book with pirates or robots in it. You have one of those. Gosh, that was a heavy sigh. <laughs> Um, pirates or robots? Yeah, because I haven't actually found a book for that, and that will compel me to do That's that. That's fine. Okay. We can do that one. All right. Now okay. I have to go find a book. Yes. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing tonight? What are you doing tonight? I'm going to go see Lizzo. Oh, where are you going? I'm going to Troutdale. Oh, wow. At, to Edgefield. Wow. Um, to see her, and I'm so excited. Nice. I'm so excited. That, not as excited as you were for Lady Gaga. Hmm. No, probably not as excited. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe as excited as I would be to see Lady Gaga here. Really? Yeah. Well, oh. I don't know. I just don't know. Either. We'll see how exciting it is. Yes. We're indeed. going there as like early as we can so we can get good seats. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So we have our book pick for next time, and I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Okay. We've been talking for a long time. Long time. And I'm really tired all of a sudden. <laughs> Maybe you need you're, a nap. You wore me out, Becky. All right. <laughs> well, I'm Becky. I am Elizabeth. Um, thanks for listening to your shelf or mine. Bye. Studio time for your shelf or mine, donated by KLOG Cooking Country. And 1015 The Wave, your local stations are proud to support the Longview Public Library and your shelf or mine. You've been listening to Your Shelf or Mine. This is, I am Becky. Ugh. I am Becky. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Groot.